back to Hyrule can be a fun or harrowing experience. It typically ends up being a flip of that coin, one that leads you to the Hyrule full of life and color, Link to the Past, or one that eclipses your feelings with rage, Zelda 1, Zelda 2. But there is one standout in the Zelda lineage that doesn't really meet either of these. It doesn't fill the frustrating chasm of exploration and unknown, and it also doesn't pop with original color and concepts. It's just kind of empty. The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess is a game with as many triumphs as it has faults. One of those faults is its vast world filled with almost nothing. Not even just blank of many things to do, empty of personality, feeling, and evocative thought. It's a world that epitomizes missed potential. It feels like Twilight Princess aimed to be what Breath of the Wild will be in 2017. Open world, vast, and full of unforgettable stumbles of exploration. The reality? Something far more barren. It's only underscored by the blurry textures of land and flat that span almost every aesthetic as far as the eye can see. You can't really fault its ambition, but the end result is truly something too big. You can run all across the southern Hyrule field, but you won't find anything more to do. There's nothing else there to accomplish. It's just vast with no density, no depth. It's hollow, a ghost town. The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess faced a formidable challenge. Follow up one of the greatest games of all time, Ocarina of Time. Now, I say Ocarina over Wind Waker because Wind Waker defiantly tread new water, forgive the pun, as something different. Wind Waker was ballsy, and regardless of its pre-release criticism, still stands as a triumph for the series, as a huge departure to a clear formula that Ocarina merely adapted into 3D. From sailing to exploration to an open-ended feeling, even if the actual events of the game were a bit scripted, structurally, Wind Waker serves as a standalone in the series, much like Majora's Mask. It's not without its faults, but it serves as more a reaction to Ocarina of Time, not a follow-up. Twilight Princess, however, is trying to comp exactly what Wind Waker wasn't. Twilight Princess is almost on the opposite side of the spectrum. It features an all-adult hero, unlike Wind Waker, and serves as the only T-rated game in the franchise, in stark contrast to Wind Waker's youthful charm. Even by the standards of Wind Waker, Ocarina, and Majora's Mask, there was a renewed focus on exploration. Above all else, Twilight Princess wanted to make Hyrule a world, a place that was vast, had nooks and crannies, multiple towns, and felt like more than one open field, a castle, and a couple of villages. It wanted to surpass the standard, Ocarina of Time. Unfortunately, it failed. In almost every regard, Twilight Princess does not establish a world that is by any means alive. A big factor in this feeling was time of release. In 2006, the defining factor of open world was surface area, not density. Nintendo clearly learned this since Twilight Princess, as indicated by their upcoming Zelda title. Breath of the Wild is now a follow-up to Twilight Princess, not Skyward Sword, much like Wind Waker broke its direct lineage. A world is full and populated. It glows not with items to collect or dungeons to find, but with personality, animal life, wildlife, green forests, and massive lakes. Twilight Princess seemed to have half of this. It got the sheer area down, but nothing occupies that real estate. It's like a massive canvas that shows you a world with no color. Again, no depth. It's a double-edged sword, too, because Twilight Princess created a huge world, the biggest world we had ever seen in a Zelda game, and in a lot of ways, that is its undoing. Instead of a world filled with things to see and collect, it's a world that is a hassle to traverse. 
It's a nuisance to be shown this vast landscape because you're not looking at Hyrule. You're looking at a blurry map texture over a flat canyon. You're looking at an empty space that not only feels barren, but is far from the fantasy world you'd want to live in like any Zelda before it. Let's look at a section of that world. Take Hyrule Fields Upper Elden or Eastern Hyrule Fields. Western, if you're playing on the mirrored Wii version. It's this vast area with a massive chasm, hills, a canyon that leads up to Hyrule Castle Town, and all of it is just empty. Even the amount of trees, the foliage, the animals, the monsters, in a way, they just feel completely out of place. Weird Bokoblin enemies and pterodactyl-like birds flying at you from all sides feels more, um, where are you coming from than anything else. Jump ahead in the game to something like Kakariko Village, which sets the scene with the majority of the remaining members of town hiding in one house together, terrified of the monsters outside. This feels abandoned, in an old western sort of way, and it's completely intentional. This town feels like it could have been populated and alive, but people left. The reasoning for that comes tied into the world, the reason you're there, and the people you find there. Townsfolk may have left to the castle to get away, to find sanctuary, and it helps build out the world and its people as organic and dynamic instead of forced and static. Flash forward even further to Hyrule Castle Town, and you see maybe the best constructed population center in any 3D Zelda game. There's movement, there are people going through their emotions, living their daily routines, and you can't necessarily speak with all of them because, hey, they've got things to do. That's lively, that's loud, and most of all, it is unlike almost anything outside these populated centers in Twilight Princess. Maybe my frustration with Twilight Princess is twofold. Not only is it incredibly ambitious and only all the worse for it, but it does nail this other integral half of creating a world so well. It's almost as if the populated towns and city of Twilight Princess are filled with metaphorical, and sometimes literal, ghosts that couldn't possibly populate such a barren world. They just kind of drift and exist as vacant reflections of a grander scope and a reality that no longer or maybe never existed. From bug hunting to heart piece chasing, the massive world has things to do within it that feel micro in a way that its very much macro world can't nearly compensate for. It's concerning seeing Breath of the Wild take on a map that's 12 times the size of Twilight Princess merely because Nintendo's shining example of filling a world so massive is a hollow shell of a Hyrule. But density and the ideas that come with that change and evolve over time. In 2006, Twilight Princess's world was massive and expansive, and a really cool feature for the back of the box to mention during the period. Ten years later, games along the scope of The Witcher 3 make it seem almost disconcerting that we consider Twilight Princess's world massive at any point in time. But hey, hindsight is 2020. The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess was a fundamental stepping stone that led us to where we are now. Much like Ocarina of Time needed to happen for its refined follow-up in Twilight Princess, the latter needed to happen in order to reinstate the difficulty and importance of world density in a sprawling Legend of Zelda title. That applies directly to the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and reflecting on Twilight Princess's ghostly population as an obvious fault of the past really does instill confidence in Breath of the Wild for me. Nintendo is never one to reinstitute an issue, and they've learned from mistakes in the past. Let's hope for an upward trend moving forward as well. Welcome to another edition of our article reads of the Irrational Passions Best of List. 
You just listened to the dulcet tones of one Alex O'Neill, editor-in-chief of IrrationalPassions.com and Panera Bread enthusiast. Uh, I am George Cruz, a social and senior editor here at the site. I'm sitting down with Alex to talk about the piece he just read to you. Alex, how are you doing? I'm good. I really like Panera Bread Enthusiast. I, I go to Panera almost every day, but I would never consider myself right. a Panera Bread Enthusiast. Uh, that's the thing. I, I was trying to think of something that, uh, you know, wouldn't put you over, keep you modest, uh, something <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is yeah. true. Uh, Don't make me a mark. That's what you talk about, right? Uh, yeah. No, I feel like the world is a mark for you, Alex. Um, Hell yeah. Anyways. Uh, but yeah, we're here to talk about a sort of an oldie here. All, all of these are sort of old. All of these on this list are sort of a uh, little old, but I guess it feels very old to me because, um, you know, I, I came around this time. And uh, mm. really, a lot of this has been, uh, for our senior staff, I feel like a, a, a trip down memory lane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, would say, like, what's cool about this, too, is I think this piece in particular is inspired by your writing in particular, George. Oh, I, I didn't know I this. Written yeah, I, I gotta save my my truth bullets for when I'm when I need them. Oh, okay, good. He's putting me um, over now. Um. Yeah, no, <laughs> finally. Um, the twist. Uh, yeah, no, I would say like what you did with uh, Lost Odyssey, I think was that kind of like more. I want to say spiritual, <laughs> like like in memoriam. Look back at, at a certain game. That's was a good way kind to of put the inspiration. It, yeah uh for for the way i approach this article sure um uh and i'm not gonna put my myself over here but I, but i wait, wait before we start recording i agree that it's sort of in the i enjoy it because it is about we're talking about games uh specifically with uh twilight princess that it, it's a zelda game but it's not the most popular of the family group it's certainly mm -hmm. it's maybe I don't know. It may have some troubled history. Maybe did some some time in jail. Um, yeah. But let's just get right into it. So uh, this piece was published around 2016, uh, and that's meaningful because uh, it was around that time that the Wii U, which was a, a Nintendo platform, uh, saw the remastering of Twilight Princess, uh, yep. and that's what got you. I assume that is what got you. Well, I think we should maybe start like. Twilight Princess, uh, the fact that it is being re-released is not for a lot of people like, oh, fuck yeah, finally. It feel, it, for a lot of people, it maybe feels like, oh, now they're just remastering the ones they didn't get to. So we might as well do this now that we uh, that we're in the room. We might as well do it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, Alex, you know, we, this came out in 2016. We're a ways away from Breath of the Wild. And in the piece, you mentioned that Breath of the Wild is sort of just beyond the horizon. And you, and you talk about uh, the lessons that Breath of the Wild can take from Twilight Princess. And at a certain point, you even mentioned that Breath of the Wild would sort of be the follow-up to Twilight Princess because these spaces in Twilight Princess are a, bit, a lot more open than they would be in uh, Skyward Sword. Um, so I guess let's just talk about like what inspired you to like even play that Wii U port. And, um, you know, like how does it feel now that we live in a post-Breath of the Wild world? It's super weird. So, like... The I'm trying to. Do you know exactly when that Wii U port came out? Mm, it I was early summer 2016, but I can't say exactly. It was like Q1, bleeding into Q2. Um, uh, yeah. And so, like, I remember when I started writing this piece. It was actually before I got that port. Okay. Um, 
it was like I was just it coming back up again got me thinking about Twilight Princess again. Um and it, it was I think like I don't exactly know where the idea started and it's funny cuz like I have the original document that I wrote it in pulled up. Um and it took I wrote this over the course of a month. Um I think in the middle uh is when I actually started playing the the port. Uh and I I think what what really resonated with me in Twilight Princess was like how apparent the negative space was. Like I it's hard to play that game and see how little it has, right? Like how it's it's weird to say that because it, there's a lot in that game, but it's just so empty. <laughs> it's so barren. Um, I think about like Hyrule Field in Twilight Princess versus Hyrule Field in Ocarina of Time, and they're very similar. But Ocarina of Time just had the benefit of like kind of doing it first, uh, and also just being smaller because of the nature of the hardware it was released on. Um, so it's a lot less apparent that most of Hyrule Field in Ocarina of Time is just like complete barren texture uh, just copy and pasted over a a big space Uh, and I think it was very clear to me that like what Twilight Princess was doing was a similar thing um, but you just can't do that twice that's why I I mentioned in this that like I feel Twilight Princess is uh, more of a sequel to Ocarina of Time because it continued that formula where Majora's Mask and Wind Waker both broke away from it um, to varying degrees. Uh, but it, like Twilight Princess just feels like Ocarina of Time to me. It feels like the exact same game, almost to a T. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think there's a lot of merit in what that game does. It's just like it really felt like them trying to catch lightning in a bottle again. Right, it's a it's a weird place you imagine you find these developers in because while we're talking about the the time place Alex plays twenty sixteen, this is a video game that released in two thousand six. Um, and you know mm. they find themselves in a weird place where folks had a reaction to Wind Waker that was divisive. Um, and so we have like a fan base that's asking them to make a next generation, uh, traditional Zelda game. Uh, and also in that time. The what's been possible on action adventure console games, stuff like what say what you will about Grand Theft Auto, it's still a very open game. Um, like the the expectations, like you sort of have a backseat driver uh, on all ends. That doesn't really make sense, but you just have a lot of feedback here for Nintendo here, and what comes just from like reading what you wrote Alex and what he- hear- hearing what people have said throughout the year since it came out it feels like Zelda by committee uh mm-hmm. it doesn't feel there's there's obviously obviously the folks at Nintendo are creative and obviously there's a, a spark there somewhere but at the same time it feels like here's the thing we tr- we tried to listen to you and here's the thing maybe you wanted i don't know yeah cuz like the thing is it feels like such a reaction to Wind Waker's negativity like the the neg- like the angry minority that was upset about what Wind Waker did. Um, and my, where I say it's like it's a lot like Ocarina of Time is it's just that formula lifted, right? Like, you go to three temples, then you get the Master Sword, then you go to four more temples or five more temples. Um, but the the things that are great about Twilight Princess are are like 
feel like they are from another ga- game in a lot of ways. Like that that's kind of like what the ghost town metaphor is. Like every the like the populated centers in Twilight Princess are so interesting and colorful and full of life that they feel like they're from a different video game because when you walk out of that popular population center like Hyrule Castle Town or even Kakarika Village to a lesser extent it's just like this big empty space this flat empty canyon like every single area looks like that uh not just the eastern canyon or whatever but the southern fields the northern fields the western fields it's all just like the same kind of big empty area with nothing happening and it's like man like the world here is so big for no reason Mm -hmm. uh in a similar way to like how it was for ocarina of time but it's so much smaller so the time between the those different more interesting areas is just hurt a lot less um but it, it just makes all those great parts about twilight princess feel like feel either feel hollow or or feel like they don't necessarily belong mm-hmm. and that's you know like i i talk about a, a very hopeful idea of like hey breath of the wild could right make the world the space right. instead of have cool spaces in an empty world uh which it ultimately ended up doing which i was i'm obviously very excited about but it it just it, it feels like they tried to do that same thing again and it just did it's more blatantly didn't work than they could have possibly imagined and i think that just gets so much more apparent with age and time right and uh if you have anything else to say on the breath of the wild because i was going to mention that because you know this was written in a before breath of the wild was a video game we could all play and now we are quite a bit removed from it actually uh yeah. breath of the wild came out 2017 right <laughs> Two years Jesus ago. Jesus fucking yeah. Christ. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's because uh, you, you obviously like you had some concerns for Breath of the Wild or there's ob- there's an opportunity, but there's also a concern that this issue maybe gets either uh, fixed and they really hone in on the pieces of the world that really have life in them. Or we have the same issue, but doubled because this is even bigger than before. It's. It's funny because, like, the more I think about it just right now is, like, all the Zelda games did exactly what Twilight Princess did, but it was less egregious in those games. Like, Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, Majora, Skyward Sword, and then Twilight Princess. Uh, Like, all of them are, you are going from point A to point B, and the area in the middle is Hyrule Field or Termina Field or the ocean or uh, whatever. or like the sky in uh Skyward Sword and it doesn't matter. It's literally just filler. Um and th- that that those spaces are supposed to make the feel the world feel big when it actually like the if you take the visual aspect of like I'm looking across a wide canyon out of it and you're like but this wide canyon is full of nothing, it makes the world feel small. Uh it makes all the places in between like the actual point a's and point b's you realize like oh that this is all there is in this world um whether that be like each individual island in wind waker uh or each town in twilight princess uh or you know each town in ocarina of time whatever game it ends up being they all have the same problem and i the thing i love about breath of the wild is like there is a clear shift in philosophy 
where I think there's still, and you know, full disclosure, I'm a big fan of Breath of the Wild. <laughs> um, but I think there's still a little bit of that nothingness, but they, they tried to invert what it was where like the, the line between point A and point B is the actual fun part. And then point A and point B are kind of just beats that you're going along through that story. So when in in Breath of the Wild, when you are going from this point of the map to the next, like everything you see along the way is a discovery, is a moment, is a is a point of interest, is something. Whether it's like a shrine or it's like a contextualized like visual puzzle that like gets you a Korok seed. Like they they and it's great. Like if you look up those uh, like uh, documentary style videos and and articles about Breath of the Wild, like how what they tried to do was make some kind of visually captivating point of interest everywhere you look, and that when you like go over hills and ridges, like the idea was to slowly like through the the edges of your vision bring in these things that you would want to go and interact with. Uh, and like how you, wherever if you're going around something above over or under something they are always trying to keep that kind of uh, point of interest in sight like it is the exact opposite of what twilight princess is doing where the points of interest are so obvious and they're populated but like when you go up into them like you can't interact with anything and then you're just like riding your horse across this big empty field to get there uh, where it just reverses that in Breath of the Wild is so smart. It's just, it, it is like this, the more you think about it, the more you realize like, oh, this has like been a problem with 3D Zelda for a long time. And they, they took that problem and made it like the solution to making exploration interesting in Breath of the Wild. It's so cool. Right. And while I think we disagree on how we feel about that game, I, I will agree that there's definitely, there's clearly a lot of critical thought and discussions and meetings about what, 3D Zelda has been and how we can change that with Breath of the Wild. Um, but um, going back to Twilight Princess a little bit, and maybe a little bit Breath of the Wild, you, like we, we've talked about it earlier in this discussion, but you mentioned that you felt that whatever Breath of the Wild would be, this is you in 2016, it would be a follow-up mm-hmm. to Twilight Princess. Um, mm-hmm. And you also mentioned that the Twilight Princess sort of feels like a follow-up to uh, Ocarina of Time. Now, obviously, we've talked about it here, but for some folks, that may seem like a quote-unquote take. Uh, and you explain it in your piece, of course, but do you still yeah. feel that way? Yeah, I, I think the, it's it's where Breath of the Wild falls that that's weird, right? Like, because it's so different. Um, but I think it, Breath of the Wild is the follow-up to your traditional 3D Zelda game, of which Skyward Sword is not. So, it, you know, like, th- that's the thing I, I've liked about Majora's Mask and Wind Waker and to a lesser extent Skyward Sword is like there there is a very clear effort to kind of break the formula um and it's really interesting to if you go back and like look at the timeline of releases like the things of the quote-unquote Zelda formula that Nintendo held on to in those offshoots and the things that they let go of um and I feel like they <laughs> always hold on to the same problems um, which is structure, right? Like it's it's that three three temples, then six temples, like that weird pre Master Sword and post Master Sword, or like pre event, 
pre-climax, I guess, uh, and post-climax structure is always the same, and it has been since A Link to the Past, um, except in those offshoots, like, except uh, Major's Mask and, and except uh, Wind Waker, um, to, to, to a certain extent, right? Like, Wind Waker, I think, still falls into that. Um, but I, that's, that's the stuff that I, I see continuing as a through line. The reason I think Twilight Princess is a follow-up to Ocarina of Time is just because it feels exactly like Ocarina of Time. You know, like, not necessarily in the story it's telling, but in the way it's telling it. It's like, all right, kid from small town, pulled into a bigger world, does three things, gets the Master Sword, does a few more things, fights the final big bad, right? Like, right. It, it is just a reinterpretation of that exact story, I feel. Um, down to like Ganondorf being a part of it and everything um, where he had like, that was the first time he had come back in that franchise. Um, and then breath of the wild, obviously like totally changed everything, but I would still consider it a continuation of what twilight princess was in the same way. Twilight princess was a continuation of what Ocarina of time was, which was a continuation or an adaptation of what a link to the past did, uh, which was, a re a reimagining of the original Legend of Zelda. So like I think those games are all the most related to each other. Uh and it it's weird because Twilight Princess breaks every tradition in the book. Um and it and it gets away from all of it. Uh and I th I think that's so cool. I think that's everything about Breath of the Wild is is like from one perspective very expected because it's like all right, let's we're going to change it. We're going to change everything. Uh, from another perspective, it's so surprising in like what they changed and how drastically and how unafraid they were to like throw everything out the window. Um, and it just, I don't know, that game is, is on another level, I think, but I see w when you're walking through the field in, in Twilight Princess, you see what a developer like imagined, like this, look at this huge world. Hyrule has never been this well realized. It's never been, it's never felt like a, a country more than it has in this and then you you step into the breath of the wilds world and you're like this is what this is actually this is what it is where every you know every everything the light touches is yours right <laughs> like mm. uh you can you can see something and go somewhere and it's all one place uh and nothing separates you right um so we is, that a, is that a take twilight princess oh, i think i think if you just reading i don't think i think you're, you explain it well in your piece but mm -hmm. i thought it was a, it's definitely an interesting thing right i feel like if you were to just put that out on twitter without any context you'd get a lot of thinking emojis yeah uh at the very least but yeah i, I, just, I just wanted to maybe sit on that a little bit so, yeah so we've talked about a little bit about the time frame of like well, where we're at and that you even sort of had the idea to write something by Twilight Princess before the remake even came out. Mm -hmm. um, but was it difficult? To, I feel like uh, as writers, you know, we, when we, uh, especially like games writers, a lot of times we presented a game, even if it's a game we don't particularly care about, and we have to find something about it that's interesting. Um, the concept of what I like about this piece so well is that, yes, it is a critique on Twilight Princess, but it zooms in on a specific uh, thing about it that is very good, but also it's indicative of what's wrong with the rest of the game, which mm -hmm. is the, that idea of those sections feeling like a ghost town. Yeah. Um, was it hard? To, what, how was the process to actually come 
at the pitch, at the thing. Because I feel like a lot of times as writers, we're like, there's definitely, I have a feeling, I have something about this game, but I need to actually pinpoint it. Like, how was it, like, actually coming up with, like, what the the sort of thesis of this would be? I think, like, at the time, and like I said, it, it was partly, like, you and Logan had, had come on at that time, and, and you were both doing, like, you were doing Lost Odysseys, and uh, uh, Logan was doing kind of, like, his more narratively driven in pieces, and they were both, like, really inspiring to me in, in different ways, right? Like, you were you were kind of like looking back at these games and and finding like a kernel in there that that I I always found was really interesting. And then Logan was like retelling the stories that he was going through uh, with a game, right? In a in a way that is like first person and really compelling. Uh, and like two, like they're both in a way critiques, but like they come from these totally different angles. Uh, so like it it was those two things like those two ideologies on top of me, like really trying to like, I was trying to get, I was trying to freelance right at the time to varying degrees of success. And like a thing about freelance writing that you, I think any freelance writer would tell you is like, find the angle, like what's your angle. So like, I was trying to find like a kernel, like like a, a, a real, a genuine idea about Twilight princess that that was, like an honest, like not necessarily positive, but not necessarily negative feeling that I had about it. And the thing I kept coming back to was the idea that Twilight Princess was a ghost town. Uh, and originally, I think when I had that, it was like kind of the more literal. Like I don't know, have you ever played Twilight Princess, George? I have not. Um, there, you know, you you play as a wolf in that game. Yes, I do. And you go through and collect these little seeds of light as a wolf. And when you're a wolf, everyone else is like a spirit. They're like in the twilight realm and they appear as little, little wispy spirits. So like there are sections of that game where you are literally going through towns full of ghosts. Uh, So I think like the original idea had something to do with that. And I had no idea. Like (laughs) I I'm going back. And so the first three paragraphs of this article are the exact same paragraphs that I wrote in the beginning but everything after it totally changed um so you know think about that when you go and read it for for listeners uh i so i think that was like the original idea and then it was going back and like it's taking that step back and looking at the world as a whole and be like man there's nothing in this world and yet every time you go into a town it's full of people like it's the the Hyrule Castle Town in this game in Twilight Princess is like maybe the best Hyrule Castle Town they've ever made because it is full of people. They're constantly moving around. Like if you go into like in the southern part of the Castle Town, it's just a bunch of like it's a bazaar, you know, like a bunch of stands selling fruit, selling milk, selling vegetables, like all these different people. And people are behind the stands, like raising their arms, yelling, and people are coming up and like trading money and like going back and forth and it's like really cool visually because you can just stand there and people will move around and and go back and forth and like you know they're just on a loop but it when you're first in it it really does feel like like oh like this is like a culture and a place Mm -hmm. and, and people live here and then like it's that step back where you're like this world is full of nothing (laughs) and it's like the the people that actually live here can't possibly live here because <laughs> nothing is happening ever 
Right. Uh, and I think that is is what really sparked the idea of like, oh, like there, like it feels the the more steps you take back and the wider the image gets, the more it feels like everything is fake. Uh, like I, I think another idea to like rephrase like you know Twilight Ghost Town is is the name, but it could also be like you know the Zelda movie set, right? It looks like a just a fake. It looks like if you went and pushed down, pushed on a, a building, it would just fall down, and you realize it's like a, one of those fake, uh, like buildings, just right. a big piece of cardboard. I don't know what the the word for it is, but you you know what I'm saying. A set. Yeah, it's Our just set. it's all we're all on set. And somebody's gonna yell cut, and then everyone <laughs> just goes home. Like that's what it feels like. Uh, and I I don't know. I think that's it's really cool. It's it's sad in that I think that that is like the the kind of theater equivalent for video games is like, all right, I will take a certain level of bullshit. I will buy into this to a certain amount. Um, this believability just to make this world feel like it's real. Um, and it, as soon as you just take one step back, you see everything behind the curtain and it's like, Oh, okay. This really doesn't feel real. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, that's all the questions I have for you, Alex. Uh, you know, Twilight Princess, it's sort of a it's a, it's a weird game. Like I, we talked about it before we got on, but it's sort of like the Zelda game that I feel like maybe as time goes on and is like the people who were at the time when this game was coming out and it was a big deal when this game was coming out uh, grow older that maybe like discussion of this game maybe die out or yeah. at least we'll be like, oh, yeah, remember that there's another game between uh like when there's a few games actually it might, it might be that game in skyward sword that might get the short end of like oh there's a game between wind waker and uh breath of the wild or there's two games um the, the thing is like i don't think skyward sword will ever be forgotten about because it's so divisive it's, <laughs> it's so div- like you know like that the i as someone who gave twi- skyward sword a 10 out of 10 like I, there is a review on irrationalpassion dot com that you can read where I glowingly praise that game. I think that game has so many fucking problems and is like near unplayable to to some extent, depending on like the kind of mood that you're in. But even at the time, I was so in it, and it was so different. It was so exciting, uh, and you know the pendulum swung as hard as it possibly could the other way as time went on i think people will always talk about that game and you know like the fucking lore heads will be like man that's the true that, sword was it's made kind of important game. that way you're right yeah but like there is nothing special about twilight princess right and that's the saddest thing that you could say about a zelda yeah. game it's the only t-rated zelda game it's the darkest zelda game by far and i think there will be a time where just no one ever talks about it again and that's such a bummer. Kind of like uh, like Minish Cap and the Oracle games. Like I think mm. those games have a have a similar uh, thing to fight back against. Which you know makes me optimistic that after Link's Awakening gets remade, like maybe those games will get remade too. Because I think those games are awesome. Right. So. Get Capcom back. Get I mean, Capcom back. Yeah. Well, uh, that's all the time we have here for this article read of the Irrational Passions Best of list. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for joining me here. Thank you so much, George. This was so fun. Yeah. Um, we're old. Time is a thing that happens. Yeah. This has been three years since I wrote that. Uh-huh. And that's fucking wild. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> of course, if maybe if this is the first, if you're jumping into this one, maybe you saw that we put it on Twitter or whatever. There are plenty of other article reads uh, on this feed from the Irrational Passions Best of List. What we think is some of the best writing that we put out in our time at Irrational Passions. Um, so yeah, thank you once again, Alex, for joining me. Um, and yeah, bye bye. We love you. Bye.